Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here, and welcome to the New Man Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. It is such a pleasure to be with you here today. And, you know, it's so funny. I, um, when I started up the podcast, I, I really only had one goal, and, and that was to post as much as I possibly could. And I got challenged to do that by one of my mentors for a year, and I'm really bound and determined to do it. So we started doing this six times a week, and um, that was probably just a little bit too much. So I have it scaled down to five times a week, Monday to Friday. And, you know, when you do something that's like weekly, which most podcasts are, right? Um, like I think we're the only weekday podcast in this space. So when you do things weekly, um, you know, it's like, hey, everybody, welcome. It's great to see you. It's our weekly thing. But I don't know, like when I'm doing podcast episodes, I'm just like, oh, I, I get to talk to you guys every day of the week um, or every day of the like the work week, I guess. And um, and so it's fun and it kind of feels almost like a talk show. So that's why I'm sometimes like, sometimes I'm just like, Oh, welcome. You know, welcome to the New Man Podcast. Thanks for listening today. Da, 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 da. Um, even though it's it's still a podcast. So anyway, it's it's just funny doing these kinds of shows in, in the 21st century, you know, the digital age where it's like you still have radio broadcast shows, you still have podcasts and lots of hybrids and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, today's episode, we are talking about a subject that just keeps coming up again and again, and that is the subject of attachment theory. So we did an episode on this not too long ago, and that is episode 68. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. But, um, you know, when you, do, when you do as much content as we're doing here for the, uh, the podcast episode, it, it's an overwhelming thing for me because I have perfectionistic tendencies, which means, you know, I want to talk about the subject comprehensively. I want to cover all my bases. I want to make sure everything comes out crystal clear and that there's no degree uh, of opportunity for confusion or misunderstanding. And it's just not realistic. You know, like you have to kind of cut your losses. But occasionally I will do an episode and afterwards I'll think, you know, I didn't really talk about this part or I didn't talk about that part. And, you know, sometimes I just kind of shake it off and I'm like, well, I'm sure I'll get another chance. But after that attachment theory episode, I just thought to myself, you know what? There's more. There's more I need to cover. And if I don't cover it, that episode is going to be very um, ineffective. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to summarize just a little bit of that first episode. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's not that long. It's like maybe 20 minutes tops. Um, and then what I want to do today is cover uh, two specific areas where I feel like I, I kind of... Um, I, I could have just done a better job. So that's that's sort of the goal today, and that is kind of what we're after. So just to give a little bit of background, uh, again, this is if you haven't watched episode 68 or you know that was 12 episodes ago, so it's possible that uh, some other things have entered your mind since, and maybe you don't recall all the information that we took in that episode. Um, basically, attachment theory was discovered by a psychologist named John Balby, and uh, he actually had a, a couple colleagues who together they really formulated this theory. 
But the, the basic premise is that we form patterns of attachment in the early years of our life. Now, the early years is negotiable depending on who you ask, but it is very clear that the first two years are probably the most poignant and the first seven years overall are quite impactful, relatively speaking. In these years, the way that you relate with your caregiver and specifically the way that you form a connection with them formulates these patterns, these attachment patterns that actually will last you throughout your life and they will stay the same throughout your life unless you intervene and do something to alter them. Now, there's four different kinds of attachment. There is secure attachment and that is the prototypical style. That's the goal and everybody can change their attachment styles and patterns to become secure. It's possible for everybody, it doesn't matter how neglected you were, it doesn't matter the trauma you've been through, everybody has that potential. The other um, two most common kinds are anxious attachment and um, I'm drawing a blank now, anxious and avoidant. Avoidant attachment is the other one. And then the last one and really the most severe form is disorganized attachment. And disorganized attachment is uh, has a very high correlation with trauma. So those who experience trauma at early ages are more likely to be disorganized, attached. And, um, you know, people who maybe don't experience trauma, but just have challenging upbringings, have caregivers who have, you know, their own shortcomings and deficiencies and maybe are not particularly secure themselves in their attachment style. Um, they are likely to breed children or raise children rather who have avoidant or anxious attachment styles. Now, again, these are generalities. Um, they're not causalities. So, so just take it with a grain of salt, but that's the general pattern. Now, in episode 68, we talked mostly about secure attachment and kind of what it looks like, what are the benefits you can expect from somebody who experiences secure attachment, and, and that's all well and good. But I think what I realized is I, I made two, uh, or I, I kind of glossed over two points. One is the reality that a majority of people have actually probably been raised with at least a degree of anxious and avoidant attachment styles. And the other thing that I didn't mention, and this is maybe the most important thing, is that attachment styles exist on a spectrum. So it is not a simple categorization like you're either in this box or you're in that box. It's just a spectrum. And so the goal is that it's not that like one day you, you know, you fill out an assessment and ta-da, like you're secure attached, you made it, congratulations. It's just that secure attachment is kind of one end and we are doing everything in our power to move closer and closer to that end of the spectrum. And as I said before, let me just reiterate, it does not matter what your past is, doesn't matter what trauma you've been through, doesn't matter how good or how poor your caregiving was when you were little, everybody has the ability and the opportunity to move towards secure attachment. How you get there is going to vary. It will vary on the things you've been through. It will vary on your own personality and your own environment and really a myriad of factors. But um, everybody can experience secure attachment. Today, like I mentioned, we want to talk about avoidant and anxious attachment styles and just talk about them in a little bit more detail. I want you to really understand what these look like. And you know, it's funny, my wife and I have been, uh, I would say in bits and pieces, just digging more into attachment theory and kind of, you know, laughing almost because 
Um, there's just we both have classic tendencies that fall into these camps. So let me talk about my own situation a little bit, just so you have something to kind of identify and compare this to. One of my big healing points in recovering from pornography was forgiving my mom. And the reason I had to forgive my mom was because I realized that I had felt neglected by her for a majority of my life. Now, when I say neglected, I don't mean that like she didn't feed me or clothe me or bathe me when I was little. I don't mean that like when I had things going on in my life that she just ignored them. I don't mean any of that. What I specifically mean is that my mom expressed affection in ways that I didn't really receive it. So if you're familiar with the love languages, which we really need to do an episode on the love languages, but um, if you're familiar with it, I'm like a quality time kind of guy. Okay, quality time is my thing. And if not quality time, then words of affirmation. And those are just two things that my mom doesn't do very naturally. Now, of course, I don't know these things as a kid. Um, I'm just kind of, I don't know, just going through the cares of life. But then here I am in my adult years, I'm struggling with pornography and I'm realizing because my mom didn't express love that way, I grew up with this deficiency and this feeling of neglect. And so I had to go elsewhere to find that female attention and that female affirmation. And so that's what what led to the struggle with pornography. So forgiving her was a huge part of it and it broke things wide open. Now, what's interesting is, and I think because of that dynamic, in addition to just some other dynamics like Indian culture, uh, which is, you know, not particularly emotive, um, we're very reserved people, generally speaking, those things formed uh, an attachment style that was more on the avoidant side. Now, it's a little bit funny because I think as well, my parents did a pretty good job of building a lot of security in our relationships and in our lives. And I would say my dad especially um, really brought a lot of security to the environment for me. So, um, you know, my patterns, when I really pay attention to them, there's a mix of secure attachment and avoidant attachment. So I'm going to I'm going to start with avoidant attachment and then I'll kind of um, talk about my wife and um, and just sort of where we see anxious attachment, because uh, I would say those are some of her tendencies are in that area. So. Avoidant attachment is sort of this idea that I don't need, I don't need you. That's kind of what it's predicated on. It's like, I don't need another person. I don't need anything else. I don't need this connection. I don't need it. Now, there might be different reasons why you don't need it. You might think I'm self-sufficient. I don't need to depend on people. That's a sign of weakness. Or it could be I'm going to avoid you because people are scary Maybe there's some trust issues there, some past experiences that one way or another say, I am going to avoid connection. Now, this is not only um, a lack of pursuit, but it means that when somebody initiates connection with you, somebody who has avoidant styles, avoidant patterns says, eh, you know, whatever, kind of brushes it off. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, but not much engagement in return. Now, again, this is sort of the prototype in this category. It's it's very unlikely anybody does it quite like that. But remember, this all exists across a spectrum. So avoidant tendencies are very uh, low needs, uh, which, you know, being low needs is is a good thing. It, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's when it's I, I avoid you. And even when there's disconnection and when we're, dis, we're when we're detached, I'm not making an effort to connect. I don't, I'm just going to avoid it. It's fine. It's just safer that way. 
And that really is, is what attachment styles boil down to. It boils down to ways that we find safety and the things that we need to feel secure. And when you are avoidant, it is generally indicative that there is a fear of intimacy. There's a fear of that connection. And it gets developed for different reasons, but it's basically saying it's better for me to stay at a distance, to stay numb, to not get too invested emotionally, because if I do, I'll get hurt or somebody else will get hurt. Bad things will happen. That's the avoidant style. And like I said, I have some of those tendencies. So sometimes, um, you know, when people are expressing uh, a need or like, you know, they're so excited to connect. I, I love that. You know, it's not like I'm a cold person. But I'm, I'm just not, I'm not like super aware of my needs and I'm a little bit slower to reach out when I am in need. And again, that's, that's just something I need to work on. So for somebody who, who is in the avoidance, uh, pardon me, avoidance category, um, some things that you can do are number one, become aware of when your heart is longing for connection. And then number two, man up and act on it. So for me, sometimes it's just going to my wife and saying, hey, I need a hug. Um, it's in my weak moments, just telling my wife, Hey, I'm having a bad day, really struggling with my self-confidence today. Um, it would just mean the world to me if you check in every once in a while. It's, it's just making those brave little steps to be vulnerable, to be seen and, and to really, um, to really let yourself be known in those moments where otherwise you would just say, Oh, I'm struggling, but I'm just going to keep it to myself. Um, or I'm just going to stuff it down or whatever. So it's it's kind of catching those tendencies and then it's acting against them in a way that is safe. Now, this is the key because remember, you form those patterns for a good reason and it was likely to experience safety that you were not getting otherwise. So what you when you want to kind of override the pattern or counteract it, you still want to make sure that you're doing it in a safe way because if you don't, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're really just... Um, you're going to make a bad thing worse because there isn't safety there. And if you're not going to get safety out of the deal, it's not really worth it. Now, my wife is super safe. She's really compassionate. She's very warm, very affectionate. So it, when I share these things with her, she loves it. She eats it up. And because she handles it with so much poise and maturity and excitement, I feel safe to keep doing it. So that's what I mean by kind of managing your attachment style if you're avoidant. Okay, now the other style is anxious, the other style that we're focusing on today. So anxious attachment is really rooted in this fear of separation. It, it, is, it is the fear of detachment. So in a connection, somebody with anxious attachment, in the back of their head, they wonder, is this person going to leave me? Is this relationship going to end? Will this relationship last? Will this person hurt me? It, it is this kind of consistent concern of disconnection. That, that is what somebody who experiences anxious attachment looks like. That's if they're attached. In, in the face of detachment, when you get separated from the person, it causes major anxiety in the person, major alarm bells going off, like something's not right. And usually that's going to result in somebody... Um, if they don't know how to regulate it and they don't know how to manage their own attachment pattern, it's going to look like somebody who overtexts, overcalls, um, is is kind of almost feels like cleaning, like they're clawing, trying to get that connection. Now, you will often see in relationships that people with anxious patterns, 
tend to wind up with people with avoidant patterns. And you can kind of see why, because the person who is avoidant, they, um, they want the connection, but they avoid it because it's, it's not safe. And the person who is anxious, kind of, pardon me, the person with anxious attachment, they almost compensate for that because they are, um, they are so focused on attachment and trying to connect and always making sure there's a connection. So often, initially in the dating stages, it like this is what it looks like. You know, you have somebody who's avoidant, but they feel excited about being with this person, so they open up. You have somebody who's anxious, but then this person's opening up to them. They they feel safe and secure, and it, it kind of feels like okay, yeah, we're in a good place here. Uh, but you know, my wife and I always tell couples who ask us for dating advice, um, you know, how do we know if if we're gonna like if this is the right person or whatever? And our first question is always, have you had a fight yet? Because if you haven't had a fight, then you don't know, and nobody else knows either. But once you have a fight, you usually have a pretty good idea of what you're up against here and whether or not you can make it work. And being able to work through conflict is a great indicator that you actually have a sustainable relationship. And part of this, um, you know, part of this reason is because of the attachment styles. And so in conflict, this is when you really get exposed to people's attachment styles because in conflict, the person with anxious attachment is going to try to attach. They, they are going to feel so insecure about the disconnection, they'll do whatever they can. And sometimes they will overcompensate and do too much. And the person who's avoidant, if, if they haven't, again, recovered from it, they don't have those secure patterns rebuilt, they will, um, they will actually make things worse. And they will, they will kind of separate. They won't make much of an effort. They'll see the other person clawing and they won't like that feeling at all. And they'll push away. And these dynamics are totally normal. So it's not like if you have this dynamic, your relationship's screwed. Don't worry, it doesn't work that way. All it means is that if these dynamics exist, then you both have a responsibility, which is to find secure attachment. So for somebody who is avoidant attachment, uh, pardon me, yeah, somebody with an avoidant style, your responsibility is to engage. It's to find ways to engage in a way that feels safe for you. But when you catch yourself, numbing out, when you catch yourself blocking the text, ignoring the person, disregarding the feelings, uh, avoiding those things because you know they're uncomfortable, you have, to, you have to be aware of them and then you have to find safe ways to counteract them. And for the person who's anxious, uh, one of the best things you can do is, um, is number one, ask yourself, do I trust this person? Because we usually do not evaluate if we trust the person. Usually we go off of our neurological wiring. We go off of um, what our brain naturally responds to, which is going to be based on past experiences. And sometimes those experiences are not reflective of the present. So what you want to try to do when, if you have an anxious style is bring yourself into the present. Ask, is this rational? Do I trust this person? If you do, then ask yourself, what's it going to look like to trust them? What might I have to change to commun communicate trust in this relationship? And if you don't trust them, then there is still a secure way to communicate and to handle the relationship. And again, you're asking, what does it look like to do this securely, to respond in a, secu in a secure manner? The other thing you can do if you have an anxious attachment style is really uh, tune into your body. Pay attention to how you feel when you're feeling anxious about the connection or when you're feeling disconnection. Pay attention what's going on in your body. Lean into it, allow it to dissolve, 
And then again, just tune into your body, tune into your breath, some of those other things that you know we talk about here on a pretty regular basis. So these are these are some things that you can um, that you can think about that are going to gravitate you towards secure attachment. Now, on on the anxious side, the other thing that you have to remember, and this is the same thing if you're avoidant, you have to be vulnerable. You have to make a choice to be seen because the person who's avoidant, they numb because they don't actually want to be vulnerable. They don't want to share those deep parts. But the person who's anxious is negating their vulnerability just as much. And usually it's when they, they try to claw for connection, they try to um, you know force something to happen, or, or they overextend themselves. They're not being vulnerable either about what, what they're really feeling. That, that fear of rejection, that fear of, of permanent disconnection and whatever else it might be. So vulnerability is really gonna help you work through attachment styles in a relationship. If you're not in a relationship, then just being vulnerable with yourself will go a long way because you're gonna experience these attachment patterns in relationships with your friends, with colleagues, with your superiors, you know, your bosses and managers and whatever else, um, your leaders at church or in your other groups, wherever it might be, you're going to experience these patterns and the more aware of it you become, the better off you'll be in moving towards secure attachment. Like we discussed, that is the goal. So that is everything for today, guys. I feel so much better. I'm so glad I covered this. I hope this gives you a little bit more insight into attachment theory. And remember, the reason we're talking about this in a recovery context is because if you can live in a place of secure attachment on a regular basis, porn loses its appetite. Porn is fake intimacy. It's fake attachment. So if you find secure attachment, you are less likely to gravitate towards things like pornography and whatever else it is that offers you that fake sense of attachment because you are already getting those needs met in a healthy, safe, and secure way. So I hope this helps you. I hope it gives you a little bit more insight into how attachment theory can really play in to your relationships and into your overall well-being. And ultimately, I hope this helps you live a life of freedom and sexual integrity. That's what we're all about here. And I am so honored that you gave me a couple minutes of your day to be a part of that journey. Thank you so much for listening. I am cheering you on. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.